Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, January 31st, 2019. And <laughs> folks, I have to wonder just what the heck is going on with gold. Uh, I know a lot of you in this audience are what I would call gold bugs. Um, I've always been skeptical of modern calls for a return to the gold standard. I've outlined in various uh, interviews and so on my reasons why. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against owning, you know, bullion, silver, and gold, and so on and so forth. And certainly there has to be some... Uh, some way of checking the creation of monetized fiat currency debt, uh, which is not the same thing as fiat money. Please uh, bear that in mind. But um, before I get to today's articles and what started me off on this gold thing, uh, I just want to remind people there will be no vid chat tomorrow. I do have a new schedule up for February. Uh, the next vid chat will be a week from tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you can go onto the website and check the schedule for the vid chats. Again, many thanks to all of you when I was sick uh, for understanding and for just an overwhelming amount of really neat articles. Um, I've been starting to post what I call honorable mentions, uh, which I think I'm going to continue to do because uh, I've, there's so many good articles and stories people are sending me, but these stories that people picked up really have me wondering, and I want, as I put in the uh, header that will accompany this video, I'm going to crawl right off the end of the twig of speculation on what I think might be going on. And I want to preface this by saying that my analysis here is prefaced on my hypothesis that there has been a hidden system of finance in existence being run largely by the United States in concert with other Western allies since the end of World War II, utilizing Axis loot and in particular the uh, bullion that was recovered by the Japanese Empire during the war from Asia, and that this was kept off the books, completely and totally off the books in order to help fund this hidden system of finance and the usual banker uh, methods of fraud <laughs> were utilized in that they were rehypothecating that secret bullion reserve over and over and over again and creating massive amounts of liquidity, which they in turn used to back their covert ops and research projects. So that's the hypothesis I'm working on here, and I'm going to advance the theory in addition to that, the corollary that follows from that hypothesis is that if that is true, you cannot understand the bullion markets and what's going on with bullion without reference to that hypothesis. Now, that's a whopper if you stop and think about it. But uh, what got me started were two articles in RT and then a really interesting thing that's now coming out of Australia. So let's start with the first article from RT. Uh, this was published just yesterday. The title of the article is Refusal to Hand Over Venezuelan Gold Means the End of Britain as a Financial Center, and they're citing a fellow by the name of Professor Wolf. I want to read just the first few uh, paragraphs of this article. The freezing of Venezuelan gold by the Bank of England is a signal 
to all countries out of step with U.S. interests to withdraw their money, according to economist and co-founder of Democracy at Work, Professor Richard Wolff. He told RT America that Britain and its central bank have shown themselves to be under the thumb of the United States. Quote, that is a signal to every country that has or may have difficulties with the U.S. that they had better get their money out of England and out of London because it's not the safe place as it once was, unquote, he said. The Bank of England is currently withholding $1.2 billion in gold from Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's government but is being urged by Washington to release it to the chairman of the National Assembly, Juan Guaido. Last week, the U.S. backed Guaido as the legitimate president of Venezuela after he declared himself interim president. So we've seen that story in the news. Venezuela, a few years ago under Hugo Chavez, uh, requested repatriation of some of its gold and was attempting to bring it back. This followed, you'll recall, this followed Germany wanting its gold back from the United States, and a long, drawn-out process that was. And we'll be talking more about that uh, towards the end of this news and views. But anyway, the point here is Germany began this gold repatriation business. Then that was quickly followed by the Netherlands and Austria, you'll remember, then Venezuela, all right? So let's continue with Venezuela. There's a second article at RT titled, Is a Mystery Plane Heading to Russia Loaded with Venezuelan Gold? And a couple of paragraphs from this very short article, the Kremlin has called reports of 20 tons of Venezuelan gold heading to Russia fake news. Presidential spokesman Dmitry Peskov advised the public against listening to rumors. On Wednesday, a member of the Venezuelan opposition and former banker at the country's central bank, Jose Cuera, claimed he has information of the planned shipment of tons of gold bars amounting to 20% of the bank's holdings. The lawmaker said that a Russian jet which arrived from Moscow was ready to transport the cargo, and then this is from that individual, Jose Cuera's actual tweet, quote, we get information from officials of the Central Bank of Venezuela. A plane arrived from Moscow in which they intend to extract at least 20 tons of gold, and we demand from the Central Bank details of what is happening, unquote. And then that was picked up and run on Bloomberg, and as the RT article states, the Kremlin is rejecting that as uh, simply fake news, all right? So add Venezuela to this list of countries attempting to repatriate the gold, but in Venezuela's case, they can't because the Bank of England says, you can't have your money back. Um, now, I don't care what the regime is. I have no love lost, as most of you know, for socialism of any form. But when a country is denied access to his, its money, when uh, it's asking for it and it's being denied on the basis of, well, the West just doesn't like the regime. That's bad news, folks. And I tend to agree with Professor Wolf there that if you're going to start doing that, you're really, really hurting the global financial system. All right. Now, let's turn to Australia. This, this was an article that uh, some of our members on this website down in Australia 
sent to me, and I'm absolutely, I, I don't know any other word to describe it other than gobsmacked <laughs> with, <coughs> pardon me, the information in this article. <coughs> pardon me, the article's titled, Just Bring the Gold Back. The Reserve Bank of Australia responds as conspiracy theories swirl around Australia's quote-unquote missing gold. And I want to read several paragraphs from this article, and I want you to listen very carefully. Is Australia's gold really being secretly melted down and sold to the Chinese? If you're into conspiracy theories, talk of impending global collapse and have a deep distrust of central banks, well, the distrust of central banks, I'm certainly in that category, holds a portion of the country's reserve assets in gold, what you may not know because it was only made public in December of 2012, is that 99.9% .9 of Australia's $4.4 billion worth is actually held by the Bank of England. Of that gold, 11 tons is leased out to earn interest. There we go. It brought in around $700,000 last year. Now, wait a minute. I hope you heard the figures here. 11 tons of, uh, of Australian gold, that's almost $4.4 billion, is held by the Bank of England, and it earns what? It earned, off of 11 tons of gold, $700,000 worth of interest. Now, folks, that seems to be a little thin, <laughs> if you ask me. But anyway, I don't know. I'm not a gold bug. Continuing, the crux of the conspiracy theory promoted by the likes of Swiss gold trader Egon von Geiertz is that China, India, and other Eastern countries are accumulating more gold, listen carefully, than can be explained by mining production. Now, if that theory is true, folks, there's only three sources for that gold. The first source is alchemy they're making it <laughs> okay we can we can discard that one for the moment the second is they're taking the gold in the central banks they're melting down the bars and selling them off okay while pretending that they're still keeping that those gold bars and they're probably leasing the pretended gold bars and making more money off of gold bars that aren't there. Okay. That's called fraud. <laughs> okay. And it wouldn't surprise me that they may be doing that. So that's the second source. And then the third source may be all of that off the books gold that I've been arguing, you know, for many years since covert wars and, and breakaway civilizations came out is part of a hidden system of finance that was set up after World War II based on the recovery of stolen bullion from Asia during the Operation Golden Lily by the Imperial Japanese. Okay, That gold was kept off the books. Nobody really knows how much it was and where it went other than President Truman authorized its recovery and then authorized that it be kept off the books as a secret reserve so that they could fund all sorts of interesting things. So in other words, there's the public amount of gold that's stated, and then there's something completely off the books we know nothing about. So those are the three possible sources. So let me read that again. 
the crux of the conspiracy theory promoted by the likes of Swiss gold trader Egan von Greyerts is that China, India, and other Eastern countries are accumulating more gold than can be explained by mining production. So there's a fourth possibility. Maybe they're waffling the figures of how much is actually being produced by mining. We don't know. Now, that should give everybody who is a big gold bug pause. Because if you don't know how much there is, then you do not have an accurate pricing mechanism to determine the value of that bullion. So that should give everybody huge pause on all of this talk about let's go back to a gold standard, okay? Because if you're, if you're going to pardon me, evaluate currency, you have to have an accurate pricing mechanism. And in order to have an accurate pricing mechanism, you have to know how much of the commodity there is. And that's my point. We don't. Okay. Continuing. An audit of Australia's gold holdings was conducted in 2013, but a freedom of information request for the findings and the final report was denied as providing the documents, quote, would or could reasonably expected to cause damage to the relationship between the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Bank of England. Quote, in the last 20 years, we've only seen the gold once, Mr. Adams said. The audit was so flawed it was basically meaningless. Now, this is echoing the same complaint, you'll recall, that's coming out of Germany after they attempted to repatriate their gold. And the Bundesbank says, yeah, we got it all back, and it's, it's all checked out, and you can take us at our word. And, of course, the Germans who have been leading that fight are questioning whether or not that audit was really uh, all that copacetic and had any integrity, and that that little battle is still going on as far as I know. We had to tell the Bank of England six weeks, listen to this, folks, we had to tell the Bank of England six weeks in advance the serial numbers of the bars we wanted to see. That gave them enough time to rig the sample. Yeah, of course it did. Bingo. Now, you wouldn't need six weeks to do that if indeed you had the gold bars with the appropriate serial numbers in your vaults, you could just open them up, take them down there, and say, here they are, okay, right there on the shelf. You would do that if you needed to remelt those bars and put the appropriate serial number on them, okay? So in other words, what, what this guy Adams is saying is they rehypothecated that gold, they sold it, and they probably sold it several times, and they had to scramble to create a, a fictitious bar with the appropriate serial number for the Australians to look at and verify that they were there. After they leave, melt it down again and rehypothecate it, you know? Okay, here we go. Let's continue. The Reserve Bank of Australia's gold is held at the Bank of England in an allocated account such that individual bars with specified bar serial numbers are attributable to the Reserve Bank of Australia. The Reserve Bank has processes in place to ensure that its specified gold bars are maintained appropriately. Inventory reconciliation, including that of unique serial numbers, is undertaken periodically or after any movements on the Reserve Bank of Australia's account. 
Additionally, the Reserve Bank audits its gold processes, including gold holdings at the Bank of England, unquote. Mr. Adams said he was not saying the conspiracy is true or false. I'm only saying 99.9% .9 of it is not in Australia, and the Reserve Bank of Australia cannot say why it's prudent that we have our gold not physically in the country. Continuing, Mr. Lowe said the gold reserves were kept in London because that's where the center of the gold lending market is. In other words, that's confirmation right there that something is up, that this gold is being kept in places where they can use it and rehypothecate it. Okay, this is exactly what I think is going on. By lending out our gold temporarily, we can earn a small incremental return on it. I wonder how much return those who are, who are lending it out are making. huh? And cover some of the costs of holding those reserves, he said. So those are the three articles, folks. So what's going on? Well, I want to take you all the way back to 1928 and to a fellow by the name of Hjalmar Schacht, who was at the time the head of the Reichsbank in Germany. He took a trip, and I've, I've mentioned this many times, I've blogged about it. He took a trip in 1928 to the New York Federal Reserve, which is the American gold, one of the American gold depositories, and he asked to see the Reichsbank's gold, and Benjamin Strong, the current governor of the New York Federal Reserve at the time, took him down into the vaults. The staff went looking for the Reichsbank's gold and then came back and said, we can't find it. And Governor Strong was appropriately embarrassed. And Hjalmar Schacht, without so much as any further commentary in his memoirs, says that he told Strong with a smile, that's okay, I know you're good for it. So in other words, he's telling you right there he knew what was going on. They were using that gold and probably rehypothecating it. Um, then we had the Bundesbank repatriation just a few years ago where the Germans were demanding the return of a sizable chunk of their gold from the Bank of England, uh, the French Central Bank, and, and the New York Federal Reserve. They got some of that back, and at that point, the people who had pressed to repatriate the German gold wanted an audit done. The audit was done, but the Bundesbank refuses to let anybody see the actual physical bars. So the question remains, did they really get that gold back? And of what purity was it? And so on and so forth. All right. Then we had Austria and the Netherlands following suit. Venezuela wants its gold back. The Bank of England says you can't have it until you change your ways. And now Australia. So really here, what's going on? We had that report uh, in the, in the, Australian case that the eastern countries in Asia are buying more gold than apparently is being mined. So where is that gold coming from? What's going on? I've mentioned all the possibilities as to what's going on. Now, I'm going to crawl way off the end of the twig of speculation here because we do know that Russia... China, India, and some other countries are buying gold as fast as they can. And we see now these efforts to repatriate gold and get a handle on just how much is in each country's supposed reserves. So what's the game? And I do think that there is a game going on here. 
and I think the game is, and it's being played by Russia and China, uh, principally, India to a lesser extent. I think Germany uh, certainly knows what's going on here. I think what's going on is that they are attempting to recover as much physical gold or repatriate as much physical gold as they can in order to ascertain, first of all, how much gold is actually there. And as I said, a lot of this was kept off the books after World War II. And I've, I've offered the opinion in many interviews and at conferences that the actual guessed at figures for gold and for that matter, silver in existence may be off by as much as an order of magnitude. All right. If that's the case, you have no accurate pricing mechanism. And if there is no accurate pricing mechanism and you suddenly come up with evidence, hear me now, if you suddenly come up with evidence as to, and the evidence is verifiable and trackable, in other words, that anybody can sit down and say, yeah, this is, this is a good guess as to how much of this bullion there actually is. If you come up with that and that figure happens to be way off current figures of golds in reserve held by the Western central banks, what happens to the pricing mechanism? Well, you've just announced accurate figures. That means the pricing mechanism that's based on inaccurate figures and hidden reserves is badly obfuscated and you collapse that system. What I suspect, in other words, is that these countries that are doing these repatriation demands ha are signaling that they openly suspect the existence of this hidden system of finance. And this is their way of slowly going about trying to expose it. If they are successful in exposing it, you have to remember what I suggest that hidden system was used for. That hidden system was used primarily, in my opinion, to fund black research projects for several decades, which gave the West, and in particular the United States, a huge technological lead. And to a lesser extent, it was used to fund covert operations. So if you target that hidden system of finance, you're taking away the financial leverage that created all of that technological surplus. In other words, this is their way of targeting the uh, Western and therefore the American black projects research world. Now, it's a long-term strategy because in order to make it work, they have to keep buying gold and they have to have established some mechanism of challenging the figures and challenging the ledger books of these central banks. That's why I think this repatriation movement is going to keep growing because the more people become aware of the fact that there's a whole aspect of this story that has been hidden since World War II, the more people become aware of that fact, the more they're going to want to restore an accurate pricing mechanism in the commodities markets for bullion. So that's a wild, <laughs> off the end of the twig speculation. But when I saw that Australia has leapt into this game now, um, that to me sent a huge, huge clue that the game is afoot. It's no longer just Russia and China. It's now one of the key components of the so-called Anglosphere. All right. So this is one to watch, folks. That's it for the news and views today. I'll see you on the flip side. Remember, no vid chat tomorrow.
That will be a week from tomorrow. I want to thank everybody again for all these wonderful articles that you're finding and sending along. Uh, it's, it's truly astonishing. Anyway, bye-bye, everybody, and God bless.